I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast, and I'm taking this time to ask you during the month of December to financially support the Cato Daily Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute to advance individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support our efforts. This is the only time of the year when I make this request, so I'm adding something. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout-out on the podcast, or you can designate another individual to receive the benefits of that donation. Just visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started, and thank you. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, December 27th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. In order to reestablish the separation of powers among branches of government, every branch needs to perform its basic, clear functions. Daniel Dew of the Pacific Legal Foundation says that means making sure that we understand what the branches of government should and shouldn't do and set strategies to put every branch back in its lane. We have seen sort of, I think, the beginnings of a chipping away at the regulatory state in uh, at the Supreme Court, at least, with regard to the deference that lawmakers are able to or lawmakers, in many cases, prefer to give to administrative agencies. And we have a case now before the U.S. Supreme Court about whether delegations, uh, certain kinds of delegations are constitutional at all. Um, so when we think more substantially about uh, regulatory form as reform as a legislative matter, what's the prize? What do we need to keep our eyes on? Yeah, I think that when it comes to regulatory reform and all of the power that legislatures have abdicated to the executive branch. It's not just the legislative branch uh, that's done this. So we have to look at each branch of government and reform how they operate in, in the regulatory space. Regulations have the, the force and effect of law. They're, they can take away your liberty. They can take away your property. And so we want to make sure that each branch is still performing its proper function. So we need meaningful legislative oversight over regulations. We need executive accountability. It's the governor or the president's administration that is that's putting these regulations forward. So making sure that somebody who's politically accountable to the people signs off on those things. And then finally, when it comes to the courts, making sure that they don't have their thumb on the scale of justice in favor of one party, especially when that party is the government. Having heard that those bullets laid out, seems like we're batting maybe 0 for 3. I think so. Yeah, I think that, that that's part of the problem. We've, I, but I do think that we have an opportunity. You know, over the last 18 months, we've lived in a world without a separation of powers. We've seen what happens when power is concentrated in one person. And usually when we have this lack of separation of powers and it's just overregulation, it destroys one person at a time, one business at a time, or maybe even one industry. But we as a collective got to see what happens when power goes to one person and we don't like it. We don't like it when one person can decide which healthcare we can receive, which businesses are essential, and so forth. Taking these in turn, what would robust legislative oversight look like? I know that, you know, the, uh, people have heard me say this before. In Congress, you have workhorses and show horses, and it seems like so many people in Congress want to be show horses and not workhorses and do that 
sort of basic oversight. So what does a more robust legislative oversight look like? It can come in a lot of different forms. So it could be a sunrise review where where legislators have to look at any new regulations. You could have a sunset review where they look at regulations so often to make sure that they're they're still needed. You can also look at at certain regulations. So at the at the federal level, there's been a bill been that's been pending for over a decade now, I think, the Rains Act where if there was something that was a major bill, uh, a major regulation that impacts more than 100 million dollars, then it would have to be approved by the by Congress in order to go into effect. And that makes sense because it it impacts so much of of the economy and and so much of a particular industry. And it puts the onus back on Congress when it comes to creating uh, rules that have the effect of law. Absolutely. We want when things uh, have the effect of law, it should go through the lawmaking process. It should go through Congress. It should be signed by the president or the governor or, or the executive in charge. It seems like there is a, you know, to the extent that we're doing sunset review, which to me should imply that rules sunset. <laughs> it does. <laughs> right. But but rules don't sunset or too often they don't sunset. And uh, what about putting a time limit on all these all these rules and saying, hey, Congress, you want to keep this rule? You go ahead. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. And it depends. Right. So so this is an issue not just at the federal level, but also at the state level. And you do have some states. So, for example, Idaho recently did away with a ton of very burdensome, burdensome regulations. And the way that that happened is their regulations do expire every year, and then the legislature has to has to uh, approve them over again. And there was a time when the they weren't able to get to that, and so all of the uh, regulations expired. And they had a, a proactive governor who was regulatory reform minded, and basically just implemented some regulations on an emergency basis. But told all of the agencies, come back to me and justify the regulations and just don't even come back with the ones that are no longer needed. And they were able to cut a huge percentage of their their administrative code that way. And given the way that uh, Congress likes likes to wait until the last minute to do a lot of things, um, that seems like a good idea for uh, the federal level. That is, if if you don't get to it. And people don't have to live under these rules anymore. Darn, too bad, right? That would ju- <laughs> that would just be tough. Okay, so with respect to the executive branch, what reforms need to be made there? Sure. So making sure that somebody who is politically accountable signs off on final rules and regulations. So at the federal level, we think that it should be somebody who's who is at least presidentially appointed and Senate confirmed. Somebody who goes goes through that process. Um, Pacific Legal Foundation did a report uh, years ago that uh, looked at FDA regulations, found out that 98% of them over a 17-year period were unconstitutionally uh, signed off by career bureaucrats, not anybody who was politically accountable in any way. And who wrote that report for PLF? Angela Erickson, who is nice just lady. our fantastic strategic uh, research director, she's, she's a nice lady. She is she is such a nice lady. I 
I like her a lot. Probably not as much as you like her, but she's she's great. Yeah. So the issue of whether or not who signs off, people signing off on these rules, one of the, the problems that was longstanding was people signing off on rules were not confirmed by the Senate. They did not have the imprimatur of the legislative branch of the government. And I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the idea that somebody with that uh, sign off from the Senate ought to be responsible for these. But how does that does that really move the needle? I think it could, because at least at that point, you could say that if there's a bad regulation, if there's a harmful regulation that, you know, this president's administration is responsible for it, there's no passing the buck. Or if we have a, a good administration that wants to undo regulations, it's another it's another arrow in their quiver, right? It's another way that they can stop bad regulations from going into effect rather than it, the agencies being this black box where regulations just appear. Uh, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, we've seen a little chipping away of uh, the regulatory state within the judicial branch. Um, and that has been courts sort of uh, hamstringing this deference that courts have long given to administrative agencies to say, hey, you get to interpret statutes in the most you know, reasonable way that you can, and uh, you can interpret your own regulations in the way that uh, you see fit. And that can that gives, uh, depending on the part uh, partisanship of, of who's in the White House, that can give administrative agencies a massive amount of power. Uh, but again, we've seen that chipped away. But what else needs to happen from uh, the legislature, from the Congress, in order to really put that uh, to give courts, I don't, I don't know what you would say, more muscle behind the idea that uh, regulations need to uh, fit a certain mold. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Courts are starting to see the error of this, just how insane it is where courts have, have abdicated this, their responsibility to interpret the law to the agencies that are parties in the case. So I think that one way that, that the legislature, either state or Congress, can step in is by passing a law that says that when these issues arise, that courts should look at them de novo or anew. They're not going to put their thumbs on the scale of justice uh, in one way or another. And we think that it should go even further by having sort of a regulatory rule of lenity, meaning that if there's any remaining ambiguity, that it's interpreted in favor of a presumption of liberty or against government power. That, that makes sense. What in every other aspect of law, if there's an ambiguous provision, it's interpreted against the person who drafted it. If if you and I enter into a contract and I write an ambiguous provision and you sue me on it, you shouldn't be penalized because I wrote something ambiguous. And we do that in criminal law because we don't think people should go to prison because they couldn't understand what the law prohibited. So when it comes to these uh, these administrative proceedings, um, we flip that on its head. And right now, when courts are are giving deference to these agencies, if there's something ambiguous, they just say, "Government agency, you win." Right, and and uh, people don't really understand the degree to which agencies will uh, try to give courts the runaround in order to maintain their authority, to maintain a sense of secrecy over how they are interpreting uh, their own regulations. And that leaves the regulated uh, sort of in the lurch. 
right? I mean, what are we incentivizing? It, it incentivizes ambiguous statutes and ambiguous regulations. Which, which, to be clear, Congress loves ambiguous statutes because they get to wag their finger at uh, the agencies when they, quote unquote, overstep. Oh, right. Well, and not only that, but in the first place, they get to vote for these great laws with these platitudes that sound great. Clean Water Act, you know, uh, EPA, make sure that we have clean water. And then the EPA says, great, we're going to regulate everything uh, from navigable waters down to puddles. And and we're going to have all these onerous uh, regulations impacting everybody. So if we're batting 0 for 3 right now, or maybe one half for 3, what likelihood do you put on uh, there being a big change here? Does something dramatic have to happen? Uh, was COVID dramatic enough for us to really recognize the uh, the problems that we're having in the, within regulation? I think that the federal government led the states here. And I think that it's the states that's that are going to lead us out of it. We have a number of states who are stepping up and implementing uh, these types of reforms, all three types of reforms. And they're really leading the way. And those states are are doing really well. They're prospering. Whereas I think that uh, we have hope in the courts for the the federal courts to undo Chevron deference, but the other two we'll see. There is a bill. Uh, there is a bill right now that has bipartisan support that would require final regulations to be signed off by presidentially appointed Senate confirmed people. So there is. I think that there is a growing understanding the importance of the separation of powers and the genius that is in our constitution that those things ensure liberty. Daniel Dew directs legal policy for the Pacific Legal Foundation. It's the final week of our push to make you, podcast listener, a podcast sponsor. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. And thank you.